Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, well, good morning. Um, my name is Jimmy Rosas, my wife Stephanie. Um, we've been with you guys before, but there's uh, some new additions, so that's pretty cool. Glad to see how the body of Christ is growing here and how God's just at work, right? And uh, he always is. And, um, you know, I'm just amazed by all that God is doing here in this church, everything that Mike shares with me, what's going on, right, from moving over here and then, you know, the details about that and all that. So that's very cool. It's very encouraging. Uh, I love to watch just God work in, in this fellowship, in this town. Even like last night's event, you know, it wasn't just one town. It was three towns coming together. It was multiple churches coming together. And that's what it's all about. It's about the body of Christ coming together. And, and it's so encouraging to see that, right? It's super encouraging to hear and see God at work, which we know he's always at work, right? But sometimes we get too busy to notice. You know, and it's kind of like being in a vehicle and you're driving, you know, the 50, 40, 60, 100 miles an hour, right? Um, yeah, my wife has a 360 app, um, the Life 360, and she's like, who's going 102 miles an hour? You know, I was just showing the girls, you know, no, nah, but whatever. But anyway, we're going that fast, you know, we're going whatever speed it is, and you don't notice the wind blowing the trees you don't notice the wind blowing the grass right but what happens when you come to the stop sign when you come to the stoplight and you actually stop or you actually slow down and then you can see that trees that tree swaying or that grass waving by the invisible power of the wind that's how it is with the lord in our lives we get so busy we get so caught up we you know we got to do this we got to do that and i understand we do have to do stuff i understand that I'm a father, I'm a husband, I have my, you know, eight, maybe sometimes 12 hour a day job that I have. I have my ministries. We have our ministries that we tend to, that the Lord has entrusted us with, and and just about anything and everything else, right, that comes and hits us along the way. So I understand about being busy, I do. But sometimes we just need to stop or we need to slow down so that we can see God's power at work in our lives. We get too caught up too many times. We get so busy that we don't see it. And then when we get too busy like that, that's when the enemy comes at us, like Mike was saying. The enemy comes at us and is like, is God really at work in your life? Does God really care? And then we're quick to be like, yeah, he doesn't. He sees what I'm going through, you know, he sees my need, he sees this. And, and so we start questioning, right? We start looking, not, we're not seeing how God is at work in our lives. And I know and I understand that many things while walking with God don't make sense in our human brain, right? I'm not the smartest man at all. I'm a Marine, right? I don't think we have to be too smart to be a Marine, right, brother? Hoorah! <laughs> we don't. You know, there's a wall, take it down. Our thought is to run through it. You know, other branches are like, oh, we'll start drawing up details of how to take it down. We'll, we'll just run right through it. No big deal. Amen? 
So I'm not the smartest man, and I don't understand everything God is doing in my life. I don't understand everything that the Bible says, right? And so some things we don't understand in our human brain, right? I can't see him, but he, I know he exists, right? I can't touch him, but I can feel him. Oh, man, when I call upon him, when I seek him, who can I feel him? Right? But it doesn't make sense. I can't understand him, but I can know him. Right? And so there's certain things. I understand walking with the Lord. There's certain things we don't understand, and it's all right. It's not our job to understand everything. It's our job to trust in him and have faith in him and that complete confidence in him. Amen? That's our job. And then in this life, we love guarantees, don't we? You know, I know we do. And even though these guarantees are great, right, on houses, insurance, cars, food, etc., there are many times loopholes in these guarantees and these assurances. But I'm here to share a guarantee and assurance with you today. And in this guarantee, there is no small print. There are no loopholes where the guarantor will try to back out of his promise. I had to look that word up. I tell you, I'm not smart. For he does not lie. And his ways are not man's ways. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 18, and we will read to verse 25, and then begin our study. So if you're able to, I want to ask you to stand with me as we read the text. We'll begin on on, uh, verse 18 of chapter 8. And the word of God reads, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have this first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let's pray. Father God, once again, we do thank you for this time and this opportunity. We thank you, Father God, for the awesome event last night and for the lives that were touched, the lives that were given to you. Father God, for the lives that were rededicated, for the lives that were strengthened, that were, that were just empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. I pray for all those um, artists, Lord God, as they will once again serve you today, this evening, Lord God. I pray for all those that are helping alongside them, Lord. And I just ask for everyone here, Lord God, that you grant us and give us a heart, Lord God, that is open and receptive to your word. I pray that your word would fall upon our hearts, Lord God, as fertile soil and take root and grow, Lord. I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would give us revelation and insight to your word like never before. So, Father, I give you free reign, Lord God. Shut me up and you speak through me, Father. May it be your words, Lord. Come and have your free reign and liberty here in this place, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Oh, we glorify your holy name, Lord. We just thank you for all that you do, for all that you're doing, and all that you will do. 
Father, we ask all this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Real quickly, in reading this passage at first glance, one might ask, where is the guarantee? Where is the assurance? And that's where I want to encourage us to truly study when we read the word of God. To truly study when we read the word of God. For our assurance is within the passage, not necessarily in one verse from our study, but in our passage as a whole. Reading and studying the verses, reading adjoining verses and like verses help our particular passage pop. And that's where the importance of studying the word of God comes from. Or comes to, I'm sorry. We need to study the word of God. It can't be Bible reading, a checkoff box type of Bible reading. Oh, I've read today, check. I've read today, check. It has to be studying, actually immersing yourself in the word of God, reading it. Oh, this book has something about like that too. Oh, this one does too. And back and forth. And before you know it, 45 minutes of Bible reading. Boom. Done. That easy, that quick. And so I just want to really encourage you guys, especially in this time, right? We see what's going on around us in our lives. We've always needed to draw close to God. We've always needed his word. But if there's ever been a time in our lives that we need to, it's now. And we need to study the word of God, just dive in, immerse ourselves in there. Lose ourselves in it. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm not any better than anyone. I, I'm recently getting back to that. And you might say, you're, but you're a pastor. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. I'm just still a man. I'm still human. I recently got back to the point where I'm like, nope, I'm going to lose myself in this. Instead of losing myself in an Xbox or, you know, a game on my phone, I'm going to lose myself back into the word of God like I used to. And not study time for the teaching the word, but my own time, my own personal relationship time. And so I just want to encourage you that with that, amen? So with that said, let's jump into our study, amen? I have titled this to get today, An Assured Future. Three main points. A revealed glory. A revealed glory. Verse 18. A redeemed creation, a redeemed creation, verses 19 through 22, and a reserved date, a reserved date, verses 23 through 25. So verse 18, once again, reads, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I'll give you a little bit of myself here. That's my life verse. That's one of my life verses. When I first came to Christ, when my wife and I first came to Christ, I came upon this verse, and I fell in love with it, and I took hold of it, and I wrote it down. We have it on, you know, the most used door in, in the house, you know, the fridge door. That's the most used door, pretty much. And, and you know, I just held on to this scripture all the time. It made so much sense to me even at that time when I didn't really truly un know or understand any word, but this word just popped out to me. 
And I was like, man, everything I'm going through, everything I've gone through, it's not worth comparing to the glory that God has for us. It's amazing. But consider that verse. Consider what is being written here. And by whom? Paul. Paul wrote this. Paul, who suffered more than just about anyone in Scripture and possibly more than anyone in church history, besides, of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Paul suffered immensely, did he not? We know the story of Paul. We know what he went through. He was beaten, many beatens, you know, whipped. He was stoned, dragged out of the city, thinking he was dead, and they just drug his body out and threw it there. He was shipwrecked. He, was, he floated for a day and a night, hanging on to debris. I, I'm terrified of deep water. I can't imagine holding on to something in the middle of the ocean, just hearing the waves sloshing back and forth, and then hearing a, a fin slap water, right? Or, you know, you know when it's an animal swimming in the water next to you, in the pitch dark, right? Maybe moonlight, a few stars. Oh, man, I can't imagine. But there's Paul holding on to whatever he had. But more importantly, he was holding on to God through that time. He's like, nope, I know this isn't the end. I know this ain't it yet. This ain't it yet, right? He, he hanging on to debris in the middle of the ocean, he floated for a day and a night, right? He was imprisoned. He was shunned by his fellow people. He was feared and mis once he became a believer, now he was feared and mistrusted by those believers. He was disrespected by his church plants. He was. They didn't provide for him. They didn't tend to him. Not all of them. He had the right to call him out on that, but he didn't. He went through a lot. He went through a lot, but yet, yet through it all, Paul is calling all of this a light momentary affliction. That's in 1 Corinthians 4.17. All that, a light momentary affliction. Wow. Paul's encouraging and extorting us that no matter how hard or how troubled as our life has been, is, or might be, if we are in Christ, if we have hoped upon Jesus and received his salvation, then we must continue hoping on Christ and our coming redemption. We have to. There's nothing else to hope upon. There isn't. Then we must continue hoping on Christ in our coming redemption. And what a glorious redemption it will be. It's indescribable. We can't imagine it. We can have little thoughts and inklings of it, right? Like, mm, but we can't. There's no way we can imagine. Our human brain can't comprehend that. I want to encourage you to try to think about it. Try to think about eternity. Your, your mind will start hurting. Your head will start hurting. Mine does. Man, Lord, forget it. I'll just wait till I get there. I just trust in you, Lord. What a glorious redemption it will be. We must hold on to that heavenly hope. Heavenly hope. Key word, heavenly hope. 
Without that hope, we are of all people the most to be pitied. Listen, all this stuff I'm going to say is good, okay? Because the Lord calls us to be good stewards. So if we're doing this, I ain't knocking on one. But I'm just saying, if our hope is in a 401k or in a retirement or five more years and I can retire Social Security, you know, debt-free, graduating from high school, from college, from online university, none of that is bad. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying, if we've put all our hope into that and that alone, we're going to feel empty at some point in our life it's going to let us down to a point at some time in our life we have to be heavenly minded we have to have our hope set in heaven and what this glory that will be revealed to us all that stuff is good i understand and it's needed god calls us to be good stewards of our money of our time our talent everything right i understand that of our family of our wives of our children our home tend to the grass oh i'm gonna let it you know just grow out of control because you know no it's tend to what we, we have i understand that but we can't put all our hope in something that's temporal here on this earth it's gonna burn and dissolve and rust and be eaten by moth and flame. We can't have our, temp our hope only in something temporal. We must have our hope in something eternal. And that's what Paul is calling us and exhorting us and encouraging us to look forward to. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, if in Christ, if you're in Christ and you don't have a, cry, a hope upon Christ, you have hope only on the temporal, this is what he continues to say. We are of all people most to be pitied. We are of all people most to be pitied. Christ is all we need. He's our hope. He's our salvation. That's all I need to hold on to. I can't hold on to the stuff of the world. Not in the same manner that I try to hold on to Christ. I shouldn't. I can't. In Christ, we must have an eternal mindset and not a temporal one. It will be such a glorious time that not only is this life not worthy to compare to it, but this life will be forgotten as a long road trip is forgotten once the joy of the destination is reached. This past December, we drove... 23 hours, right? 23 hours? A little less? 22? I got a heavy foot. The GPS was telling us 26. I was like, what? I can beat that. Whoa, right? So we drove all the way to, uh, to Oakland, California to go visit family. And we were like, man, you know, just looking at it before you're leaving, you're like, 26 hours, 45 minutes. Lord, help us not throw our children out the car. Honestly, all the bickering and fighting, right? But praise God. God was with them in that back seat. They slept a lot of the time. You know, they played. We played different games as we were driving. But all the tiredness, all the, oh, my leg is hurting. I have a nerve that's acting up in my leg, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, 
gosh, Lord, how am I going to make this trip? How am I going to drive having to press, you know, the guy? And anyway, right? But all that trip, the tiredness, the aching, the this, the that, and I'm the type of person that does not want to stop until it's gas time. And when we stop, it's gas time. It's you guys go take care of what you got to do, and we're back in the car. In five, let's go, right? And so we made it. We made it. But when we got there, when I saw my mom, who I haven't seen in a few years, when I saw my sister, who had just gotten out of the hospital, battling COVID to the point where she almost, I almost, she almost went to go be with the Lord. My brother-in-law went to heaven. They got COVID at the same time and, and you know, please the Lord to take him. And it pleased the Lord to leave my sister here with us. And so it was the first time seeing her. It was the first time seeing my mom in a while. First time seeing my brother in a while. It's the first time seeing all the family. You know what? When I hugged them and I kissed them on their cheek and I just saw their face, that whole road trip was forgotten. The trials and the suffering of that road trip weren't even worth comparing to being in the presence of my family. And take that and expand it into a much greater scale. And this is what Paul is saying here. What we're going through isn't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Oh, I can't, I can't help but get excited about this. I can't wait to get to heaven. You might as well, oh, you're kind of young. Well, I'm 44, but I can't wait to get there. Not that I want to leave. I know I still have work to do here. But man, reading his words, like, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's just like you mothers going through all your pregnancy, right? And the pains and everything of that, the discomfort, my wife, God bless her, having to sit like in an L shape to sleep because she was so uncomfortable. And, you know, I put every pillow behind her <laughs> and helped sit her up. And she'd move funny at night, and I'd pop up, what's going on, you know? And <laughs> but when that child was born, and she would hold that child, all oh, that was forgotten. All that pain, all that suffering was forgotten. Because that child, man, just, <sighs> wow. And so it's not until we get to the destination, it's not until we're holding that child do we acknowledge that that place, that child, is better than any words could describe, right? You might be trying to describe, you know, the child, oh, what they're going to look like, and we get sonograms, and I think they have, I don't know, we haven't had children in a while, but the last one was a newer one, right? It was like a 3D thingy, and we're like, oh, cool, look, and I don't know if they have newer stuff than that now, but, you know, it's like, oh, she kind of looks like me, but look, she has your, oh, you know, and so you... You're kind of seeing something. You're kind of giving a little sneak peek. Are you here about a, we've never been to Disneyland. Maybe one day we'll go. But, and we hear about it, right? But hearing about it and being there is totally different. And so with the word of God, when we read it, we hear about heaven and we, our minds are limited and we can only imagine so much. But when we get there, I, I don't know what reaction we're going to have. I don't know what reaction I'll have. You know, I'll probably be like a, a stuttering idiot up there. Like, uh, uh, you know, like, wow, I don't know. Maybe I'll just be quiet. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I love that song. I can only imagine because I can only imagine. I can only imagine. 
And so that place, when we get there, when that final destination is finally achieved and we're there, it's better than anyone ever told us about because now we're experiencing it for ourselves. When that child arrives, whoo, you may have other children, but you know what? This is the first time with this child. And it's different and it's special, just as the other ones were too, but this one is special also. And so no preparation could get us ready. And so that place or that child, it's just better than any words could describe. And so will the glory be that is to be revealed. We can read all we want and we can hear and we can teach all we want, but man, not until we're there and finally experiencing it for ourselves. You know, we can sit up there for eternity talking about it then. <sighs> Super excited about it and everything else, just praising the Lord all the time for the rest of our life, forevermore. Oh, how indescribable will be our coming revealed glory, amen? And with our revealed glory, there shall be a redeemed creation. Verses 19 through 22. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and, up, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. creation we these created beings we yearn we have an eager longing for something even when we're lost we're yearning we want something we don't know what it is when we're lost I, I remember when I was lost I didn't know what it was and so I tried everything of the world to see if it fit what that yearning was for and unfortunately, it was a lot of sin that I reached out and tried to fill myself with and lived in and, and lived out throughout my life. And then coming to Christ, I realize now that that eager longing is for what he has in store for me. And I know we don't live for the blessing, so to speak. We live for God, I understand that, but God's such a loving Father that he has nothing but blessings for us. It's like when your child's in trouble and then you still buy a McDonald's, right? Because you just, oh, I just love this kid, man. Oh, they shouldn't be allowed to go, but you know what? I'm gonna go with them, I'm gonna take them. Because we love them and God loves us so much so much so we have an eager longing for this glorious future romans 2 7 says to those who by practice and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality he will give eternal life to those who by practice and well-doing hopefully i can find my notes real quick but i'm gonna share something that i learned in school of ministry If you guys ever have a chance to go to school of ministry, I want to encourage you. Pretty cool little exercise that Pastor Joe helped instruct me to do. 
And so when you're reading the word of God and there's a verse that sticks out to you to help you get better understanding of it, translate it. Translate it to see if you really understand it. Translate it into your words, you know, and see how your words line up. And so this verse right here, Romans 2, 7, to those who by practice and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. If I wrote a Bible translation, God forbid, probably, right? It'd be worse than the message, probably. But anyway, it would transla- I would translate this verse something like this. To those who strive by practical application to be Christ-like, believe in sharing his glory, honor, and immortality, and he will grant eternal life. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Take a verse and translate it. See how well you understand it. And then 1 Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Oh, we don't want to. We don't want to suffer. Who's America? Where's the AC? Where's the heater? Where's the food that I can order at the touch of a screen? We don't want to suffer, but the word of God tells us to rejoice in it. Amen. One more. First Peter 5, 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Not only do we yearn for this revealing, of the sons of God, right? First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But, we'll, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. But all creation yearns to see the revealing of the sons of God, because it also yearns to be in its redeemed state as well. Isaiah Eleven six through 9 says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand in on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Creation being put under as the subject of man fell because of man into a depraved state. Genesis 3.18 says, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. It didn't produce this before sin was introduced into the world. It didn't do this. Creation didn't do this before the consequences of sin. The harmonious relationship that existed between humans and nature was disrupted. But it was set, this is beautiful, but it was set, as was mankind, in futility by he who subjected it in hope. In hope. God set this into motion in hope. 
Meaning, yeah, all of creation was set in this present state, this temporary existence, but with hope. But with hope. Only God can set such a plan into action. Only God can do that. Only God can know the beginning and end of something. He's God. And so when we fall, when we fell, when sin entered the world, God wasn't freaking out. Oh, what do I do now? Oh, oh man, oh, man, I didn't plan for this. Nope. He's God. And he had the plan set in motion already. Before time. Before time. Only God can set such a plan into action. When this fall occurred, right, God wasn't surprised. We didn't throw a monkey wrench into God's plan. None of that happened. He had a salvation plan worked up from before time. 1 Peter 1.20 says, He was foreknown, speaking of Jesus, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that faith and hope are in God. Faith and hope are in God. They're not in anything temporal. But they're in something eternal. That's God. He's forever. He's always existed. He will always exist. He has no beginning, no end. And that's where our hope must be in. In God. In Christ. Amen. That's where our hope has to be. And he has that assured future for us. It's guaranteed. It is guaranteed. If we have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, it's guaranteed. And the crazy thing is, it's even guaranteed for the non-believer, but they just need to receive it. But it's there. It's guaranteed for them too. God so loved who? The world. He loved everyone. When Christ died, he died for everyone. Whosoever, he died for the whole world. He didn't wait for us to cleanse ourselves. We can't. He didn't wait for us to come to him, to turn to him. He did it first. He died for us first. In hope that we would come to him. That's beautiful. There will be an end. It has been set. There will be a new life, a new beginning, a new body. Praise God. Right? I know I'm only 44, but man, I got some aches and pains, you know, that I'd rather not deal with. Just standing hurt, like last night, Steph's like, go sit down, go sit down. I was like, no, I want to be here with you. Finally, I had to go walk, walk off this, this leg. But so if you see me hit it every once in a while, you know, it's just me being me, right? Putting up with the pain. I want a new body. I can't wait. I always joke, maybe I'll be taller finally. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) But we shouldn't think. I don't want to mislead anyone. We shouldn't put man's limitations on on the body that we're going to receive. Amen. God's like, dude, you can't even. What you're imagining. Whatever. Just wait, Jimmy. So there will be an end. It has been set. There will be a new life, a new beginning, a new body. It is assured. It has been set into motion in hope. In hope. It has been set into motion in hope. Just as all creation was subjected to futility when sin entered this world and all of its consequences were felt, creation in turn will be set free from the bondage of sin and its consequences. 
It's not just us, but the whole world, the creation. Everyone will feel this. Acts 3, 20 and 21 says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. It's beautiful. All of creation looks forward to when Christ will return and his kingdom will be established on earth and the earth itself will be renewed even beyond the abundant and productive state it had been before Adam and Eve's fall. Creation is not groaning because it is near death. On the contrary, it is groaning because it is near birth, a new birth. It knows time is short. It knows time is near. Do we? Because I guarantee you someone else knows. And his name's the devil. His name is Satan. His, he is our enemy. And he knows our time is short. That's why he attacks. That's why he throws anything and everything he possibly can at us. Look, real quick. In years past, being lost, I was very depressed to the point of suicide that I tried to take my life twice. One time actively actually had a gun in my mouth ready to just that was it but praise God praise God how he just works someone reached out to me from here because I was in California someone reached out to me from I'm sorry not here but San Antonio and he's like just come down here man just come back and this was the dude that I ran the streets with that we did all kinds of nonsense with, and he was saved now. It's amazing how God works. And it was him that finally got to me because it was him, the same lifestyle that we had lived. And so I get back here, and little by little we get into church. I meet Steph, and I knew she was the one because I was like, hey, you want to go to Bible study? And she said, yeah. And I was like, ah, you know, where everyone else would turn me down. Or, there was no one else, babe. But, you know, they would have they turned me down had I asked them. But she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. She's, she was happy to go to a Bible study with me. How cool is that? How awesome. And so we get saved, right? And the Lord saves us and cleanses us. And it's just like, man, took all that away from me, that pain, that anger, that hurt, everything. And you guys ever want to hear, you know, I'll have time after service. I'll share testimonies with you. But I had severe bouts of depression before. Even my wife did. And Friday at work in the morning, this is what Mike was talking about. I don't know why. I, I mean, I know why now. But I didn't know why then. I was just crying at work. Thank God I don't talk on the phone or anything at work, right? Hello, <laughs> you know, you know, but I'm on a scanner, you know, but my, my, I was just crying. I was just tearing up, and I felt that old weight, that old burden of depression upon me. My chest felt so heavy. I could, and I, and I was texting my wife. I was like, man, pray for me. Just keep me in prayer. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I feel like this. But praise God for his word. 
Praise God for reading his word. We need to read his word daily. We don't know when we'll need it, but when we need it, it'll be there. And praise God for the times that I've been reading his word lately again, like I said. It was that reservoir that I had to be able to dip out of his word, that reservoir of word that I had stored up. And I was able to like, no, Lord, no, you have delivered me. I am a new creation. Just quoting scripture over and over and over to myself. You have set me free. I am no longer in that bondage. Right? Just, I wasn't quoting the whole scripture. I understand that. But I was just bits and pieces like, Lord, 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 Lord. And then we get home and we're both feeling kind of weird. And we had some things to do at the church and we go and do them and we're just doing them. Praise God for the opportunity to do this work, Lord. And we're reaching out to more brothers and sisters. Hey, just pray for us, man. We feel kind of crazy, kind of odd. Just let the Lord be with us. And he is, and he was. And he, he delivered us, you know. But we got to hope, right? We have to hope. We have to hope for that redeemed state. For that revealing of the sons of God doesn't mean some super Christian group here on earth, okay? There's some teachings that mislead people in saying that. It's not some man, angel, cross, no. It's none of that. It's the revealing of God's people, us. How God will reveal that glory to us, amen? That's the revealing of the sons of God. So here in this uh, last bit here, Jeremiah 12, 4 says, How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it and the beasts and the land mourn, I'm sorry, and the beast and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our latter end. The question there in the beginning of that verse is how long? Creation is asking how long? How long is the question asked by those who are waiting for justice? And I know, I'm not going to ask you to, but I know everyone in here has asked how long. I have. I still do. I'm not saying it's right, but I've asked it. My wife and I were just talking about it on the, on the ride over here. How we, we used to ask, Lord, where's ours? How long? Where's our house? Where's our cars? And see, our hope was in things that were temporal. And praise God that we've learned and we've matured. And now it's like, if I don't get it here, it's all right. It's okay. Because my hope isn't in that anymore. My hope is in the eternal now. The word of God says that in my house are many, many rooms, right? That's one translation. Another translation says another, uh, many mansions. I don't know if that means a physical place. Like, oh, I think that means more something like us. Aren't we the temple of the Holy Spirit? Aren't, aren't we a temple? Aren't we a house, so to speak? So maybe that's talking about our new homes, our new houses, our, our new body. Could be, right? There's a different perspective there on that verse. My hope is in what God has for me. And if that means anyone listening, if that means blessing me here on this earth, hey, cool, I'll take it. God bless you. I'll take a car. I'll take a house. I'll take whatever. And I'll turn it around and use it for the Lord. Amen? But my hope's not in that anymore. It was, but it's not in that anymore. Now it's just on the eternal, amen? So if... So it is as if creation cries out, how much longer till our redeemed state? 
How much longer till our redeemed state? It's pretty much like creation is crying out and saying that. If creation can long for the revealing of the sons of God, shouldn't we? Amen? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we long and hope for our revealed glory just as much or even more so than creation longs for its redeemed state? Shouldn't we? We should. Amen? We should. There is a coming revealed glory for mankind. There is a coming redemption of creation. And all this will be at a coming date, a reserved date. Amen? Read verses 23 through 25 once again. If my eyesight don't go out. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Patience is out the window in America, pretty much. We throw popcorn in the microwave, 45 seconds, and we're yelling at the microwave, hurry up, I want my popcorn. Chick-fil-A, can you get any faster through the drive-thru line, even though they're super fast, right? We can't wait, we don't have patience. Someone's going 80 miles an hour, oh, too slow for me, go around them. School zone, nope, 50 miles an hour flying through a school zone, we don't, we don't have patience, I'll be the first one to admit. But the word tells us to what? To wait for it with patience. There is a coming date that has been set and only God knows the date of that appointment. Amen? But we have an appointment. We, we have an assured future. It's coming. He doesn't lie. We, just as creation, also groan as we long for the completion of his saving work upon our lives. We as believers have a sneak peek, so to say. How many of y'all like watching movies? Oh, I can't wait, right? You do. I know everyone here does. Oh, let me, see, well, let me watch the trailer. I'm a big Star Wars fan. So anytime they come out with any Star Wars trailers, oh, there I am, you know, watching them. It doesn't help that I was born on May 4th, 1977, and that's, you know, known, in case you don't know, a Star Wars day. May the fourth be with you. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Pretty cool. Anyway, not saying, you know, remember my birthday. I'm just saying, remember Star Wars Day. And then it was released in 77. So, hey, I always joke that, yeah, he made it and released it for me. It's, it was my birthday gift. Anyway, right? That, that's just the weirdo I am. But anyway, you know, it's just me. God loves me. I appreciate it. And he uses my character, you know, because that's how he is. It's his word, and I take nothing away from his doctrine, but he uses our character to come out, right? So don't ever forget that. But right here, we're talking about having a trailer of what's the attraction to come. What is it, right? We have the first fruits of an even greater and more bountiful harvest. If we have been promised and received the helper, the Holy Spirit, then we should have an even greater hope of receiving all that has been promised. Because we received the Holy Spirit already. It's like a trailer for the coming attraction. It's like a sneak peek into what's to come. The Holy Spirit. God promised and he delivered. 
And if he promised and delivered with that, with the Holy Spirit, well, he's going to deliver on everything else that he's promised. Amen? He's not a man. He's not a liar. He's not, you know, like us. And we're not that we're outright liars. Sometimes we just can't get to it. We promise too many things. And we, we can't get to it all. Some of us are straight up liars. I understand that. But God isn't. God isn't. Amen? So we have those first fruits, that first fruit of an even greater and more bountiful harvest. We should long for and hopeful anticipation of this assured future. Remember what I shared in the beginning, that within this passage is the explanation of the assurance. We eagerly are awaiting our adoption, although we have been adopted. Romans 8.15, just a few verses before the one we started on reads for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear friday morning right but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father daddy intimate relationship with god now daddy Remember the first time I heard a grown man older than myself call his father daddy, and I thought, but that's just the type of relationship they had. It's beautiful, beautiful relationship. Nothing to laugh at, nothing to mock. And that's how we should cry out and call out to our daddy, our eternal daddy, Abba, father, daddy. So in Roman culture, real quick, there, was no, there were no stepbrothers or stepsisters, no biological children and adopted children. They, by the letter of the law, were equal and co-heirs. The parents, nope, you get less of the inheritance because, you know, we adopted you, whatever. Nope, there wasn't. In Roman law, it wasn't like that. And of course, when you read the Bible, study who they're writing to study the background of the book and see why he writes about these things why is he using adoption because it was well known in their culture and when he uses something right when when the writer uses something according to their culture it's going to make it just pop so much more and so it's good to study it's awesome to study to know everything who they're writing to why they're writing to the time they're writing to them right so in that Roman culture, there was no such thing as, no, if you're adopted, you get less. No, you're my real son. Yes, come here. And no, 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 no. It was nothing like that. They were equal and co-heirs. They would receive their fair share of the inheritance. And so it is with us. We have been adopted into the family of God. We are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. Praise God. And we eagerly await the revealed date of our inheritance. Wow. That should hit home. That has to hit home. We didn't do anything to receive it. Christ did it all. He died on that cross, and yet he wishes to share with us. He doesn't see us as, yeah, you came into the family later. Or, yeah. No. My brother, my sister, my children, right? And we receive with him. Wow. We receive with him. We're co-heirs with Christ. 
we're co-heirs with Christ, and we should, and we need to look forward to um, this assured future. We should eagerly await the revealed date of our inheritance. All creation longs, all created beings yearn in this hope, and the hope is assured by this first fruits, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. If God promised the helper and then delivered, I know I said this already, then we can most certainly hope in the redemption of our bodies. We can most certainly hope in this assured future. We can most assuredly hope and certainly hope on all the promise of, promises of God's word. We can. We can stand upon it. We can build upon it. By what hope should we hope by? Well, real quickly, as in the Old Testament, believers hoped by faith in the coming Christ for salvation. They looked forward, right? We hope by faith in looking at all Christ has done for our salvation. We believe it, we receive it, and now we hope for what he still has. We have a leg up on the Old Testament saints. It's been done. Now we hope for the rest of it. The Old Testament saints had a hope for everything. That was some crazy faith, right? Some strong faith. So we, we almost had like a leg up, right? But we have to hope. We hope by faith and looking at all Christ has done for our salvation. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Just as the Old Testament saints looked to the coming Messiah and not their physical surroundings, so must we look to the things above and not below. 2 Corinthians 4.18 reads, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. When we finally see something, it becomes a rational reality. It no longer constitutes his hope. Hope always pertains to something yet not yet seen. God, in only the way he can, set his plan into motion in hope, as we hope for the day and for the coming kingdom. The ultimate fulfillment of our redemption is something that is still in our future, yet we hope for it in faith and patience or perseverance, whatever word you want to put in there that means that because many translations have different, right? Faith, patience, perseverance, steadfastness. Through it all, God is faithful to his word, and we will walk in the realization of his promised glory as our reality. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 Remembering before our God and Father your works of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, as we begin to finish here, patience, perseverance, steadfastness, endurance can all mean the same Greek word. And I know you've heard it before, hupomone. And the definition of hupomone literally is this. Its definition is to not be swerved from one's deliberate purpose and one's loyalty to faith and, and piety, piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. In other words, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Amen? By doing so, we will walk in our revealed glory 
one day we will partake of a redeemed creation. And right now we must wait with hupamoni for that reserved date. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.